Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast, we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking, and evidence-based skepticism. I'm your host, Marco, and this is show 87 for Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. How's everyone doing? I hope that you find rabbits are all healthy and safe and happy. For this week, let's talk about a current event. Just yesterday, as for the release date of this episode, we had our autumn equinox, which is an astronomic event really, due to the geometry of the Earth's rotation around our Sun. Let us shed some light on this event. See what I did there? The Sun shed some light. Okay, let's just jump directly into this rabbit hole. Autumn has just begun, and as it always has, it is beginning on the day of the equinox, which was September 22nd this year. Equinox is Latin and means equal night, and it refers to the fact that on this day, everywhere on the planet, we have 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of nighttime. Well, that's the common explanation, but it's not that simple. You will notice that sunset and sunrise do not act like a light switch, where it turns on and off, but it's more like a dimmer. There is twilight time. So, a better explanation is that on the equinox, the time between sunset and sunrise is exactly 12 hours. But when I look up the data for my city, it actually talks about 12 hours and 8 minutes of sunlight on that day. Shouldn't it be exactly 12 hours? Well, not quite. The sun appears as a circular disk in our sky. The point of reference that we take into account is the center of that disk. So when the center touches the horizon, that's the moment of sunrise or sunset. So it takes a few extra minutes until the whole sun has disappeared below the horizon. The length of twilight time also depends on where you are on the planet. This is because everywhere the sun sets at a different angle. If you are at the equator, then the sun sets at a right angle, 90 degrees, which makes twilight take a relatively short time, about 20 minutes until it's dark. The more you move away from the equator, towards the poles, the flatter that angle gets. If you live at latitude 30 degrees, the angle of sunset is 60 degrees. And if you live at 50 degrees, then the angle of sunset will only be 40 degrees. The more you move toward the poles, the longer twilight takes. I remember in Germany, it would take around an hour until it's completely dark, an hour after sunset. At the poles, the sun sets exactly at zero degrees, which means that on the equinox, it just touches the horizon. Equinox happens twice a year, around September 23rd and March 21st, but the dates can vary a little. This year, actually, it's on September 22nd, not 23rd. Why is that? One reason, of course, is the cycle of leap years. Every Earth orbit takes 365 days, 5 hours and 56 minutes. That makes a shift of approximately 6 hours from one year to another until the leap year sets the straight again. Also, the Earth wobbles a little bit around its rotational axis. This happens in a cycle that takes 26,000 years, called the Milankovitch cycle. 
this also adds to the variation in times and dates. I think this is fascinating. To think about these processes that take so much more than a simple human lifespan. To think that things that we take for granted and constant can actually vary over longer periods of time. Of course, September 22nd or 23rd is the autumn equinox for the northern hemisphere and the spring equinox for the southern hemisphere. These roles are flipped for the equinox on March 20th or 21st. The other two important dates are when summer and winter starts at the solstices in June and September and December. On those days, the day and night lengths are at their extreme points, but I think we should talk about solstices on another occasion when they actually happen. Is the autumn equinox really the first day of autumn? That depends on the definition that you use. There are three. One is the astronomical definition, and yes, it is on this day. Astronomically, the four seasons center around the two equinoxes and two solstices, as mentioned before. Then there is the meteorological definition. This is the one that we're probably more familiar with. And we said it at the beginning of the month. So autumn, in this case, would start at the September 1st. And then there is the phenological definition that looks for signs in the environment. For example, when the leaves fall or when birds are migrating to warmer climates. So in this definition, the coming of autumn varies from one year to another, depending on factors like the weather. Let us finally look at some legends or celebrations around the world for autumn equinox, as presented by the linked article on Cambridge News. According to ancient Greek mythology, this is the time when the goddess Persephone returns to the underworld to spend six months with Hades. During this time, her mother, the harvest goddess Demeter, is mourning the temporary loss of her daughter. Thus, crops don't grow in autumn and winter until Persephone comes back to the overworld for the six months of spring and summer. Everybody's talking about Christmas, but what about Michaelmas? Christianity replaced many pagan celebrations, with Christmas taking the place of Yule near the winter solstice, and Michaelmas on September 29th was the substitute for a harvest celebration. Speaking of paganism, Mabon is a relatively recent neo-pagan ritual marking the autumn equinox. In the UK, many gather at Stonehenge and Castlerigg in Cumbria to watch the sunrise on the day of equinox. The Mayans used advanced astronomical calculations to build the pyramid at Chichen Itza, Mexico, in such a way that an enormous snake of sunlight slithers down its staircase on the precise moment of equinox. And in Japan, the autumn and spring equinoxes are marked with Higan, a six-day Buddhist celebration, where Higan means the other shore, and it's a time to remember deceased relatives and pay their respects. Sorry about the motorcycle and the dogs, as I told you, people and pets have a radar for the times I'm recording. <laughs> Let's continue the show with our next segment. Okay. 
Alright, it is now time to play Find the Fake, everyone's favorite critical thinking game. This is where I give you three news headlines, but I turn one of them into a lie. And you are challenged to use your critical thinking skills to figure out which one is the lie. Or you can just use sheer guesswork, of course. It really depends on you. Here are this week's three headlines. Number one, Minecraft is helping children with autism make new friends. Item two, one of nature's key constants is much larger in a quantum material. And number three, a new isotope study suggests that Mars is potentially habitable. There's my favorite word again, habitable. Oh, I always enjoy saying that. You can still pause, you can guess along, because now I'm going to reveal them. So is this story true about Minecraft helping children with autism make new friends? Yes, I found this on newscientist.com, but looking at the date is actually quite an old article from 2016. How Minecraft is helping children with autism make new friends. Playing video games online can be antisocial, but the Autcraft community is helping children with autism learn social skills and build relationships. So um, this idea came from a guy, Stuart Duncan. He got the idea to um, create a server just for autistic people, which is invite only, and he expected there to be maybe 10 or 20 people. But... To his surprise, hundreds of people requested to join in the first days, and now it's a community with 7,000 members. Well, now as for 2016, of course. And uh, yeah, lots of parents sign their autistic children up because they see benefits for themselves and for their children. I really like this story. Uh, autism is really big in the news right now, and... Uh, yeah, on Netflix, there are shows like Atypical and The Good Doctor, which now deal with autism. Let's go on with number two. One of nature's key constants, it's much larger in a quantum material. Larger in a quantum material. Yeah, I'm recording late at night. This one comes from sciencenews.org, and this one is also true by Emily Conover, written on September 21st. The fine structure constant is 10 times its normal value in the material giving a peek at an alternate universe in a quantum material. So once again, where the quantum world does not really translate to our world, so this is a constant that tells us about electrical charged conductivity. Um, yeah, the fine structure constant sets the strength of interactions between electrically charged particles. Its value about 1 137th Constant its physicists because they can't explain why it's at that value and even though it's necessary for the complex chemistry That's the basis of life. So they noticed that in this quantum material. It's ten times stronger than outside in the real world if The constant would have the value it has in the quantum material larger elements could not form because the electric forces would be too strong and elements like iron, for example, would be completely unstable, would be radioactive. So the periodic table would only have around 10 elements, they say. Fascinating. Which, of course, means that a new isotope study suggests that Mars is potentially habitable. This one is the fake. This is an article from Science News. The source is Washington University in San Luis, September 20th, 2021. And the headline says that Mars habitability, limited by its small size, isotope study suggests. 
Let's read the summary. Researchers measured the potassium isotope compositions of Martian meteorites in order to estimate the presence, distribution, and abundance of volatile elements and compounds, including water on Mars, finding that Mars has lost more potassium than Earth, but retained more potassium than the Moon or the asteroid Vesta. The results suggest that rocky planets with larger mass retain more volatile elements during planetary formation and that Mars and Marsite's exoplanets fall below a size threshold necessary to retain enough water to enable habitability and plate tectonics. Yes, we've talked about Mars on the show before, so it really looks like there are, yeah, boundaries to lots of things, like there's this Goldilocks zone where around a star where temperatures are just fine for liquid water to exist and there also seems to be a a threshold a lower and a bigger threshold for planet size and mars is too small it cannot hold on to water the water is volatile which means it escapes it can evaporate from the surface because of the sun's radiation liquid water doesn't exist there it exists in in ice form maybe all right i think we just call it a day. This is a very short episode, really kind of an emergency episode that I'm recording on the Wednesday night, just before publishing. I vow to become better at this, but it is what it is. These weeks have been crazy with uh, our hybrid classes. I've said this before. I still hope that you enjoyed the show with a small news item this time, and I will talk to you next week. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are easy and painless ways which are for free. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatching platform. Share it with your friends on social media. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Every little bit helps. If you want to be on the show or know somebody that you'd like to be a guest, please drop me a note on social media. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?